Hi, everyone, and welcome to the first episode of Blue. I'm your host, Rumi Bupalam. I am a senior in high school, and I'm from Nebraska. If you didn't get a chance to listen to the teaser, the purpose of this podcast is to bring awareness to the Gen Z mental health crisis by providing you with a firsthand look into the issues current teens are facing. I want to create an open space where my generation can voice their opinions and experiences or have an outlet. But for this first episode, we're going to be diving into the topic of information overload and the impacts that can have on our daily life. But to clarify what I mean when I say information overload, I am talking about the constant information, world events, problems, news, worries, and arguments that we're constantly exposed to all the time and never get a break from. But I do have a guest today. I'm really excited to bring on my friend Camila Gomez. She's also a senior in high school from Nebraska, and she's going to share her personal experience with this problem and how this affected her. Hi, Camila. How are you? Hi, Remy. Thanks for having me. Of course. Uh, thank you for joining and being willing to be my first guest. I really appreciate it. Yeah, of course. I think it's a really important message and um, that you want to do with your podcast. So I'm really happy to be on. Thank you. Um, so I wanted to start off today by talking about your experience with information overload, specifically in regards to the internet um, and how it's affected you. So can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, sure. So I think that the internet is probably the largest contributor um, or like the root cause of a lot of this overstimulation or like this bombardment of information in our daily lives. Mm -hmm. And I can definitely see how it affects me, um, like how it can increase my like anxieties on a day-to-day basis and how it can like manifest itself Mm -hmm. like in my daily life or like I can physically feel it in my body sometimes where it's like I can feel where something where it becomes too overwhelming and it's just too much. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's definitely like a large part of like um, a large daily contributor to my mental health. Can you explain a little bit what you would define as information overload? Because I think a lot of people get confused on what specifically that means. Yeah, so I think. I guess this depends a lot on what your main sources of information are. Mm-hmm. I think the internet and the way that like social media has kind of been designed is to have you on all the time. So like you'll get constant notifications or the way that you consume that I've consumed news has become much more through like a social media post or like a story from a major news outlet as opposed to like sitting down and turning on the news at a specific hour to get to know what's happening in the world. And I notice that since I'm online for a large part of my day, then I am constantly exposed to like a breaking news story, for example. And like mm-hmm. there's a it it starts to become oh like it starts to feel overwhelming when you have a lot of breaking news stories all the time and they're like popping up in notifications or they're all that you see on your feed. And, like, they keep updating every few seconds because there's, like, this kind of pressure to, you have to stay on it for, like, the entirety of the time. Mm-hmm. So I think I think what I mean when I talk about information overload is the amount of information um, entering your just daily feed all, like, constantly. Mm-hmm. I kind of get what you mean by that because we constant, there's always something going on in the news and you're always constantly getting updates about it and you can never escape from it, especially now in a digital world, we 
always we always have to we basically have function in school as high schoolers we're always on our laptop we we can never get off of the internet and so i guess we just have to see it all the time no matter what can you describe the emotions that you feel when one that goes on i think that depends um i think back to like when i first started learning about like covid as a pandemic and kind of having that that sort of information was really like was was very scary and it was like it was an anxiety inducing because you felt like there wasn't much information out there when you were just getting it in and it kind of felt like you were helpless in the situation because you a lot of people didn't know what was going on um but at the same time sometimes because of the like sheer volume of everything that's going on sometimes when like a tragedy happens and you read like you've read five other tragedies that day by the time you get to another one, I, I tend to feel like apathetic mm-hmm. or just kind of emotionally exhausted where I don't like, where I feel like I should be reacting because it's something that deserves my reaction and my attention and mm-hmm. um, my engagement in like an issue or an event. But by that time, I don't have that to give. Um, and that feels, you know, it's also like, it's depressing that so many bad things are happening all at once that you, you can't really give each their due. Not that it's mm-hmm. like your responsibility, but then I feel like it would be like a disservice to some very important issues in the real world that I, that because they're all converging like this, mm-hmm. you kind of have to separate yourself from them. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of emotionally draining. Is that kind of what you're saying? Yeah, when you're sure. Mm-hmm. And do you sometimes feel helpless, like you can't do anything about it? Yeah, there's definitely like times when I, I think there's an interesting place where the internet kind of meets kind of just being a high schooler and growing up mm-hmm. and like learning about the world and kind of the society that you're stepping into. Um, and on the one hand, I'm grateful for the internet being able to have like be the platform where information is shared and people can have discussions but on the other hand it feels like sometimes you're just made more aware of all the issues that are going on that you are kind of powerless to help or that are so massive um Mm -hmm. that the help that needs to be done like local organizing is much Mm -hmm. more like it's much more difficult to see like how one individual act will have a tangible effect because you're exposed to all these like large systemic issues Mm -hmm. pressing down on you. Yeah, that makes sense. When you're so emotionally drained from hearing all that too, it's hard to give yourself to do those things. It's hard to make yourself do those things. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And yeah. So are there physical symptoms? Would you say that come with that too? Because I know you, I know sometimes fear can come in um, and anger and sadness and all that kind of stuff, but how does that show up in your body? Yeah, um, so definitely anxiety is like a, a symptom that, like a physical <laughs> symptom that I notice manifests itself quite mm-hmm. often. Um, there's like this feeling that kind of comes with the helplessness is like a kind of restlessness. Mm-hmm. I have, I either have this pent up energy that I don't know where to go, or in the case of being emotionally drained, it's like there are times when it, it might affect my sleep. Um, for example, mm-hmm. with the with the decision um the row decision from the supreme court 
I could I I couldn't get a, I couldn't go, get to sleep that night because like I could feel in my body like there's this, this tension like on my like shoulders and neck and I couldn't like relax mm-hmm. and it's something that like I noticed I, I got the news and then it, it like it physically affected me for the rest of the day until I had like some time to decompress. I think that's crazy though, like how how something can affect you physically when you're emotionally affected by it. It's it's so crazy how those two are linked together. <laughs> yeah. And it's also like telling like your body is obviously in communication with your brain and it's like mm-hmm. I know when I feel like I, like sometimes my jaw will lock and like I won't be able to like move mm-hmm. it and like that that's way too much. I have to like go take a bath or something to kind of mm-hmm. physically get some of the stress out because mm-hmm. you know and I know, I know that when you physically feel stuff, that's when that's kind of when you acknowledge that you're emotionally feeling it because we think stuff all the time, but I don't think we ever acknowledge it until it's physically impacting us. I think, personally, yeah, I, I would definitely agree that like it's easier to pass something off um, mm-hmm. when you're not like you're not feeling it in your body everywhere. Exactly, it's easy to be in denial, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah. But yeah. Do you do you feel like you get headaches sometimes? Is fatigue really common? I don't know. Yeah, do that too. I um, think fatigue is probably like the the most common with like apathy, kind of where it's like it's I can feel that my body is exhausted and like my mind couldn't couldn't entertain a single more thought, um, and that's mm-hmm. kind of when I know that I've compl- like I've reached a point of emotional of being emotionally drained where even if I wanted to like care about something, I, I don't have the reserves of energy to do that. And mm-hmm. then that makes me feel like apathetic towards news that, or towards issues that sh- I shouldn't, I don't think I should be apathetic towards. Mm. Okay. And I think that's a sign of overstimulation because that just shows that we, we just don't have space anymore to incorporate all the other information that's being thrown at us. Yeah. And I think there's also a, a part of the problem is that, there's a pressure to react to everything that's happening um, or like to have a quick judgment decision without having time to reflect on an issue or an event. Mm-hmm. Um, I Like I noticed there's like the Instagram infographic trends where like something happens and you a get exposed to like people making, and, and it's good that people like collect information to present it to people in like a, a um, more palatable way. But um, but then you I feel the pressure of like oh should I share this but then I have to check that their sources are good and then would I be you know adding to the issue and there's also like this pressure of having to have a reaction to everything um, mm-hmm. and I think that's a large part in large part caused by social media you have to react to that before even having the chance to process it yourself. And yeah, like you said, social media, everyone immediately after something happens, you see posts about it on everyone's stories. And I think a lot of them are just people reposting the same stuff because I think a lot of people feel like you were talking about, like a responsibility to say something about it. And I think that just doesn't give you time to form your own opinion or reflect on what is actually going on, which can consume consume you. But can you give me like an example or a scenario of something that has happened. So say, for example, you see um, a news message pop on what, go- what goes on um, when that happens. What do you notice? 
any example of just this scenario that you're talking about? Yeah. Um, I don't know if, if it's because, because of like the amount of information that we get or just kind of a cumulative effect, but it feels like whenever I see a new notification, I have like a pre, like a presupposed sense of dread where I'm mm-hmm. like, this isn't going to be good. Um, and mm-hmm. a large part of the time it isn't. And I, I kind of like have to steal myself to be like, okay, or, or brace myself to be like, is this going to be like something that will affect my mood for the rest of the day? Or is this something that I can like acknowledge and then move on? Mm-hmm. I, I tried to do that before I check in, you know, before I check what's going on, but that isn't always the case. Sometimes I just happen upon it and then I have to like sit with my visceral reaction and being like, Oh, this is like shocking or this is like, really disheartening but Mm -hmm. you know sometimes I'm like I I acknowledge that something bad has happened and I'm like oh I can't I I don't feel that stirring in me and then it probably means that I should definitely have a rest does that dread occur even before you even before you see the notification do you yeah (laughs) do you feel like the emotions just all come there even before you even know what happened yeah no because like I try not to in, like I try not to watch the news when it's on TV because mm-hmm. I I like I acknowledge and I am aware that it can like it has an effect on me and I want to avoid that in my kind of daily life just to be able to function better. Mm-hmm. But being online all the time, it's it's also not like I do follow news media, but then it's not just that news media will post a like a story or whatever. But people on social media themselves talk about important issues or specific news stories or have arguments that like I would rather be disengaged from because mm-hmm. they're obviously emotionally riling but it's hard to separate yourself from that because it's not like you're avoiding a tag or you're avoiding like a profile it's everyone's talking about it all the time so it's really yeah. hard to kind of if you're on an online space it's kind of hard to not see what's going on mm-hmm. okay but let's just okay hypothetically speaking let's just say we throw your phone and laptop in the garbage you don't have access to internet you don't have access to any technology you don't have to worry about it in school either so just say we're back to the point when we didn't have iphones or macs or anything mm-hmm. um do you feel like you still have this underlying anxiety does this does this show up in your regular everyday life even without the internet yeah i definitely think that like the main thing that people always prescribe for information overload is like oh just get offline (laughs) and I I definitely understand like and and definitely I'm like I have to put on like boundaries for myself to be like you're not you're not on your phone after this or like you should just get offline now that you're feeling so riled up or so exhausted Mm -hmm. but um even without the aspect of the internet I notice and this might be in part because of the internet that conversations with my friends or my peers end up leaning towards either the state of the world at the time or you know some sort of like there's definitely influences from all the information that we have to hold because of the internet or because of other media sources that we then like bounce off each other Mm -hmm. and sometimes I I kind of forget that we can have we can have conversations about like on the thing or you know about like hobbies and stuff I'm like oh yeah we don't have to we don't have to make commentary on the world all the time you know <laughs> um, so like 
I've noticed my my personal conversations with my friends have kind of like steered more toward like society <laughs> than maybe like what's a fun thing to do. No, that I can totally relate to that because now when you're saying that kind of makes me laugh because I can't even think of one conversation that I've had my with my friends recently that are not about what's going on in the world right now. <laughs> it just I feel yeah. like it's always a conversation starter. It's always something that gets the conversation going and I and it's always on all of our minds that's the first thing we think of talking about. Like I never talk about anything fun with them. <laughs> it's just very but see, yeah. I, I think part of that's really important because I think part of that is like having those conversations with people um with people who have your opinion, people who have opposing mm-hmm. or different opinions. I think that's really valuable to do. But I feel like since it bleeds over into every aspect of your life, mm-hmm. you don't have like a um a constructed space to be like we're going to talk about this now so everyone can like prepare themselves and like emotionally know what they're engaging in kind of if it's just throughout the day you could be trying to relax or have fun and still have that butt in um and sometimes it's not even like with people sometimes I'll be sitting by myself and I'll 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 either be like actively trying to avoid thinking about something which then makes me feel guilty about that and then it's on my mind again <laughs> Or, um, or I'll be by myself and I'll, I'll notice that, like, some, some sort of, like, background, mm-hmm. like, noise dread is always there. And I'm like, please go away. <laughs> you just can't get it to go away. And I think you yeah. phrased that beautifully when you were talking about how it is really important to have conversations about this stuff. Because without it, we're not going to make any progress. We're just going to be, the world is going to stay in the same state that it is right now. So it is really important. But... I think what you were saying that's that I really liked is that you need to find places to talk about it and find times to take a break. Like all of you, just just take a break for even if it's just for a few minutes, just and be prepared that you're gonna have that conversation. And I think that that will make a huge impact specifically. Um, but do you do you get reminders of it? Even okay, forget about socially, but even when you're just out and you're walking alone or anything do you do you constantly get reminders of what is going on without even without even engaging in the internet or anything um yeah (laughs) my my subconscious just like to remind me every once in a while but (laughs) I mean sometimes I'll be out having a walk specifically to distance myself from people or the internet just like to take time for myself and most of the time I'll be thinking how like how lovely it is that I can that I'm having a walk and I'm enjoying nature. And then every once in a while, my brain will be like, yeah, but this may not be a thing that will be around for long because climate change or, you know, and I'm like, no, but please, (laughs) like, it's hard to, it's hard to mentally separate sometimes, like what things um, I can do and what things I, I have no control over. And I just kind of have to accept that it's, it is how it is. And I can, and I, and there are things that I can do to like work toward that or, or help it, but not everything. Mm-hmm. And my brain has to let that go. It doesn't hasn't learned how to let that go yet. It's so hard to. I mean, when you're enjoying things like this winter, I know in Nebraska. For those of you guys listening, this winter was very. I think it's happened a lot of places. It's not just Nebraska, but our winter was very warm, and. I love that, but like it kind of running what you're saying. It it's just a constant, even though it's like so nice to have warm weather. It's just a constant reminder of climate change, and I don't know, it's scary. Yeah. <laughs> and you can't get away with it. You try to disconnect, but you just can't get away from it. Um, so 
has this impacted the way you talk? I know you talked a little bit about how it's impacted the way you interact with your friends and socially, but has this impacted the way you show up at home, like with your parents and your interactions with them? Yeah, I mean, I I know that like sometimes I'll come off as like being really rude or, or, or grumpy on my parents, like don't understand why. And then I have to like come back after a while. It's like, hey, sorry, I like, I like with the decision with, with Ro, I had to like, <laughs> I was in a really foul kind of state. And then I had to come back and say, hey, sorry, I was like, reacting to this and I had to take some time to like mm-hmm. process it so sorry if I was being like rude in this scenario but you know sometimes it's good to also engage my parents in that conversation because I, I get their perspectives um and other times mm-hmm. the, the three of us are like no we should we should like watch a movie or something and it's nice to have them mm-hmm. like clued in to to know when they need to like when they need to step in and kind of like help me get out of my head as like a support Mm -hmm. system yeah and I think a lot a way a lot of teenagers take out their emotions at home I guess is by being angry and grumpy and taking it out on their parents all the time and so for parents listening I think it just kind of it's kind of a defense (laughs) I don't know if it's a defense just a way of coping with it because we can't I don't know there's there's no other outlet so we take it all out of our parents but it's also like I I think with everything compounding and everything is always like, oh, this is like the new the new thing you have to worry about every like two minutes. But like you don't have mm-hmm. time to process it for yourself. And so mm-hmm. if you don't have time or the space to process it, then the people around you get the brunt of your like of you going through it. So mm-hmm. I like it's it's not a healthy coping mechanism, but it's kind of what ends up happening, at least in my experience. Yeah, I've seen that happen to a lot of people too. And I think everything is sensationalized too. I know that there's a lot of things going on and a lot of them are really big issues. Yes, of course, they're really big, but there are also a lot of minor things that are made to be a lot bigger and that causes a lot of fear when we're sensationalizing everything. And in our conversations on the internet, everywhere, it's just over-sensationalized. Would you agree with that? Yeah. I don't know if that just... No, for sure. I mean, like, there's the 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 like the overuse of breaking news or like this kind of wording where everyone's like this is like the storm of the century and the next week they're like oh it's the storm of the century and I'm like wasn't that just last week where everything is like <laughs> I feel like there's a tendency for everything to be the most um to almost yeah like sensationalized over dramatized where it it asks more of you like each each thing is like you should give you you should give me all your attention because that's how it was built to be um on the internet Mm -hmm. or just and I think that's kind of changing the way that we think about things where and perhaps not for the better where it's like there's less time to process and to reflect and everything has to be like this flashy kind of react to me immediately kind of thing breaking Breaking news yeah and that's something that causes a lot of anxiety when you constantly get one of those breaking news things (laughs) just your anxiety immediately shoots up um is this like something that has been consistent for you has it changed over time do you think it's been something that's gotten worse as you've entered your teenage years um or after the pandemic or when did this start when has it started to get bad for you yeah well it's it's interesting um when I was younger around like third grade I had like kind of a a, a catastrophic anxiety Mm -hmm. so like 
and there was a point in time in my childhood where I couldn't look at any news because like just the thought of it would make me anxious and the funny thing was that I remember with um the Ebola and the Zika outbreaks when I was like around fourth fifth grade mm-hmm. where like I couldn't I couldn't hear the words because it would make me really anxious and I would like make up all these scenarios in my head where you know everyone I loved would die and, and it was like so sad <laughs> Uh, yeah, it was a specific kind of anxiety that I kind of grew out of and learned how to manage as I grew up. Um, but then, obviously, as I became more socially like aware and I, and I participated more with social media and just just like school environments in general, mm-hmm. that like I definitely noticed I became more aware of everything that's going on all the time, and I think that really dulled me like really quickly. To the point where when COVID became a pandemic, I didn't have the reaction that I would have had at the insinuation of a disease, like when I was a, when I was a kid. And that's definitely with age, but also like kind of an overexposure mm-hmm. <laughs> kind of thing. Um, and yeah, after, I mean, I feel like kind of these past couple years have felt really crazy. And sometimes I wonder if it is because the world is getting increasingly crazier, which I, I think it is. <laughs> Or if it's also because of like this effect of not having been a- not having been able to process the first thing fully, mm-hmm. and then every subsequent thing just keeps being added on that pile. Where like there's this whole like there's so much um, weight on on your shoulders, and you're like, I don't know if I can actually start chipping away at it, and like if the newest thing is what's affecting me, or if it's like the thing from like two weeks ago. You just can't find the cause of it anymore. <laughs> yeah, you're like, I don't know. I'm stressed. <laughs> What's the cause? I can't find it. <laughs> There's so many things. There's so many things to be stressed about these days. Yeah. I'm, okay. I That kind of makes me scared for the next generation, though, because the fact that we're already feeling all these things, imagine people, like the next generation, imagine how they're going to deal with all of that. Technology just keeps getting more advanced. It's just going to get more connected, more more sensationalized. Everything is just going to be so much better in that. Makes me kind of scared for their generation, but yeah. <laughs> I wonder if... I mean, I hope we can figure it out by then. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully we'll have a solution. But I'm wondering also, I don't know, maybe this is just my thought, but if it has something to do with our age range too, like, is this a critical... Sen- is this a sensitive time of our lives? Because what I was thinking is that this is the time of our lives when we're forming our opinions and our values and planning for our future. And I think when we're exposed to this much, it's it causes a lot of, from my experience, it causes a lot of confusion, and you don't know what to do with it, and you're constantly questioning everything, and I don't know if that's just a teenage thing, I don't know, I was just going to ask your thoughts on that. No, I, I definitely agree, like, there's, there's times when I wonder if, how my mental health would have been uh, without the pandemic, mm-hmm. kind of coming in at a crucial point in my life, because I wonder how many of, like, my anxieties and my insecurities and everything are because of who I am and because of being a teenager and kind of stepping into adulthood or if it's if it's been made worse or exacerbated because of everything that's kind of like felt like it's reached its zenith during Mm -hmm. the time where I'm supposed to be like forming my opinions and like engaging with like my my politics and my like my peer group and trying to figure out what we all believe in and like I mean I do wonder sometimes I mean I I think for sure that the internet has exacerbated it Mm -hmm. but a large part of it probably is because of 
our age range and it's kind of what we're going through as we step into who we who we think we we will be you know and obviously i think there's multiple factors to it because it's all of it combined that's making it so bad there's just so many different factors but if you think about past generations they didn't have to deal with the information overload as much because they didn't have access to this many stuff so when they were teenagers yes it was like the hormonal time that was when everyone was I don't know, going crazy and trying to figure out their lives. But it, it was not this added on top of it, if you know what I mean. Yeah, it feels a bit like um, the cur- like the curtain in The Wizard of Oz that's kind of been pulled back. Or <laughs> on the one hand, I'm, I'm kind of grateful that I, I have some exposure to like what the world might look like when I step into it. On the other hand, I'm like, dude, I don't know if I need to know at this age, like how, I don't know. I, I feel like it's it's also a bit harmful to be like I I'm gonna step into the labor force and I already have I already know what my problems with the labor force are. It's good because I can arm myself towards what I want to get out of like working. But it's also bad because all these institutions that are making the labor force difficult are hundreds of years old and I can't do anything about it. And so it's like a really strange dichotomy where you're like I'm grateful to have this information to use in my future, but also I think some of this information is hindering my ability to like be a kid or like be a teenager. I know. We, we don't even have that opportunity at this point. <laughs> we just can't. Yeah. These days. Is it, would you say it's hard for you to disconnect with what's going on at the same time? Because I know that even if you try to, I have this feeling too, where I still want to know. I still, I still have this, like, I get, I get really anxious when I don't know what's, what's going on at the same time. So even if I shut off of, I, I just have this anxiety where I need to know. Do you feel like you have that too? Yeah, I definitely feel like, in, in part because I feel like everyone's expected to be in the know or everyone's expected to like have a stance immediately that like if you don't know, you're like, oh, what am I missing out on? Like what, I do, what do I have to catch up on once I come back? Mm-hmm. And on the other part, it's like, it's almost too quiet sometimes where you're like, I feel like if there isn't something to be worrying over, that is external, then I have to deal with like worries that are more internal and those deserve my attention. But I think sometimes it's easier to be like, well, I don't have to worry about this right now because out in the world somewhere, this major thing is going on. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes there's like a want to be like, Hey, what's this disruptive thing? Like I kind of need some disruptive thing in my day to like, I don't know. It feels almost like a routine. And I feel like, okay, when you were, when you were saying that, I think it's also a form of distraction, which is really harmful because we don't have the time to take care of ourselves. If we mm-hmm. constantly have this distraction, we just can't take care of ourselves, which is really bad for us, obviously. And I think that's what you were saying because when so much is going on, you compare yourself to others and you're like, oh, I don't have to deal with this, so I'm just going to ignore mine because mine is less important, which is obviously bad because everyone deals with different things at a different level, but everything that we're going through is really important. It's important to focus on yourselves no matter what. Like, yes, you have to acknowledge that this is going on, but also take care of yourself at the same time, which is extremely hard to do. And I don't do it. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I think that it's kind of like, it makes it harder for me to, to, to like start my day at a baseline Mm -hmm. because everything that presses on, like everything external that presses on me puts me like at a place below a baseline. So I have to like, get myself up to a baseline and then I'm like okay I've got time for myself and like to kind of attend to my needs 
and my mental health and then I've already spent so much energy getting up there that I don't have enough to like mitigate what's going on or like to, to you know to pay attention to my or care for myself mm-hmm. okay speaking of caring for yourself though what are ways that you try to cope with it that have worked if anything has worked at all I don't know <laughs> I mean I I've tried meditation which is like the thing that everyone talks about oh, and <laughs> yeah and it, it does work sometimes it hasn't worked the best for me and I think it's because it's really hard to like learn how to disconnect your mind mm-hmm. um from you know your, your thoughts and your anxieties but what, when I have I do feel like at coming out of it it's like I feel much more relaxed and I can feel it in my like body where my more where my muscles stop being tense and I'm like this is like a really valuable way of relaxation but I think what for me kind of comes more naturally is like um finding a, a healthy way to vent I would like write like kind of what I was feeling kind of like in the journaling method or um when that got to be like when my writing was too slow for my brain I would like take a, a like a, an audio recorder and I would pace around the house and be like kind of venting into an audio recorder and in a way that was really helpful and therapeutic because it would get the pressure off mm-hmm. um and it gave me kind of time to think about what was going on and my reaction to it and then I could start processing because I'd already kind of gotten it off my chest and I found that helpful for me but I don't know if that's like the best way to approach it no I think that's good just having it if you don't have an outlet just screaming it yeah. out you know <laughs> is there anything that you've tried that hasn't worked for you personally or you think that is just not a healthy way to cope with it I think that by simply like disconnecting um without having any contingency plan of like well what am I going to do with my time or what am I going to do with my mm-hmm. energy it's feel like I, I feel like that's probably not the best way of doing it because it ends up feeling a bit like you're guilty for engaging in it and then you're also guilty for disengaging in it and I think that if you don't have like a plan for like I'm gonna go out and hang out with my friends or I'm going to go watch this movie like if you just say I'm I'm gonna stop thinking about it then I think it's not as effective as having like a positive outlet and I think that it's almost impossible to stop thinking about it so you can think that you're you're trying to make yourself feel better but in your head it's just making you more miserable yeah is there anything that you wish your teachers could have done to help you as a student or just you feel like teachers can do in general to help their students in situations like these? I have great respect for my teachers because um, I think that they've handled it quite well with like the major events that happen that affect people in their classroom. My teacher has been really good about having um, a kind of community environment where if people need, they can speak their opinion and you know without interruption we can have like kind of class discussions and decompression sessions like when the road decision leaked that was a moment where our classroom took time to do that during the insurrection of Jan- like the January 6th thing um the 2020 election like our teachers made it very like um intentionally made it like a, a, a kind of safe spot for us and mm-hmm. I really appreciate that I think that's really important but also sometimes because it happens like for every class period then you have one day where seven times a day you're asked what do you feel about this major thing that happened in in the world and you're kind of like this is also maybe a bit too much Mm -hmm. um so it's an interesting line to walk um but I think at least for me I appreciate when like 
my teachers in my classrooms are able to provide this kind of like safe space where we can all kind of hear each other out and support each other. So I guess it kind of has to be a balance. So you don't talk about it all the time and it's just going to increase your anxiety, but a place where you have an outlet, but at the same time, a, a place where you can just take a break from it. Yeah. I guess, I guess I can kind of relate to that because you hear about it every class period. And I think all the teachers have good intentions. They all just want to provide a space where students can discuss and talk about it. But there needs to be a balance. I guess. Yeah. Um, is there anything besides teachers? What about friends? What, what would you want your friends to do to make you feel better in this scenario? I think we kind of run circles around each other. Like we mm-hmm. we kind of end up hyping each other up or, you know, stressing each other out when we kind of, because we're engaged in, in a lot of this, a lot of similar things, but, um, and also it's been more difficult because of the pandemic to find outings, you know, to go out to a park or to go out to like uh, a, a concert or whatever. Like mm-hmm. now that it's starting to ease up, um, I've really enjoyed meeting up with my friends to like do an activity because mm-hmm. if we're doing an activity, it's kind of like, it, it, it makes it much easier to, to, like, not think about the world or anxieties for, like, I know I'm going to take this time to have fun with my friends. But just mm-hmm. kind of getting to a place where that's possible is really nice now. That is nice. And I feel like friends can really relate to us, yeah. um, especially if they're – because they're all dealing with the same stuff. So just kind of having them as a support system is really nice. But to kind of, like, end this off – for all the parents listening, I wanted to ask you, from your experience, what what suggestions you would give to parents? Because I think this is really important. Because parents want to know how to how because they can't they can't take away the internet. They want to know how they can best be there for their child. And so I wanted to ask you, what do you wish your parents could have done, or what would you suggest to other parents um, to help their children deal with this? I definitely think that for me, the most valuable like thing that my parents have done and can do is be there for, as, as support systems, as, like, I know I can I can turn to my parents and say, like, this has me feeling angry, or this has me feeling hopeless, or this has me feeling confused. And I'm really grateful mm-hmm. that they can provide that space. And I think, for me, that's the most valuable thing that a parent can do. Um, but I also think, I, I recognize that sometimes I'm, like, resistant to my parents' attempts to be like, no, let's not talk about this right now. Like, if we're having dinner, mm-hmm. let's not talk about, you know, this thing. We'll talk about something else. Or let's, you know, let's do an activity as, as a family that doesn't, you know, that's kind of just for ourselves. Um, and I think having having them, like, step in and, like, say, no, you're, you don't have to stress about this right now. You can just have fun. And, like, reminding me and kind of pushing me sometimes to, like, have fun is something that I'm also really grateful mm-hmm. for. But, yeah. That is good. Um, well, I think that wraps it up. Um, thank you again for coming on, Camila. And honestly, just thank you for sharing your experiences because I'm sure it'll help a lot of people out there who feel the same way. Yeah, of course. Thank you very much for inviting me and also for like providing the space and making this podcast specifically so you know people our age before we can have like conversations like these. Yeah, of course. I love chatting with you. Yeah, I yeah. love chatting with you too. Bye. <laughs> Okay, so just to wrap up on this episode and say some final thoughts, I want to point out that while overstimulation and information overload 
might sound like a benign topic, it's definitely a main source of anxiety for many teenagers. Although having access to information has benefited us in many ways, it's also causing feelings of inadequacy and stress. University of North Texas did a few studies on this, and they found that this is something that's common for a lot of teenagers, actually. And the feelings and symptoms are jitteriness, rapid heartbeat, headache, tiredness, disconnection from reality, reduced attention span, questioning, confusion, hopelessness, anxiety, fear, and anger. So this problem clearly can't be taken away, but there are things we can do in our daily lives to help ourselves cope with this. So if you are someone who's affected by this, there are a few possible things you can do. The first thing is obviously meditation, and I know this can be hard if you get anxious a lot, but even just taking the time to take deep breaths can help. Journaling your thoughts can also make you feel better and give you an outlet. Another thing you can do is turn off your notifications that aren't as important, because I know that is something that definitely makes a lot of people anxious. Uh, Limiting your news time can also help, so try and set a time every day where you look at the news and try to avoid it at other times of the day if it makes you stressed out. And lastly, don't look at your phone right before sleeping because it can increase anxiety and harm your sleep cycle. It's hard to sleep when you have many thoughts running through your head. But yeah, I think that's all for today's episode. Thank you for listening and make sure to tune into next episodes. There are a lot more coming. Also, please contact me if you have something you would like to share, whether it's an experience or a story. And remember that you can come on this podcast completely anonymously if that helps. I won't share your name if you prefer. My email is bluepodcast22 at gmail.com. Thank you.